Lolo. Welcome to Sustainable 257. Welcome yourself, my clucking poultry friend, to Sustainable 257. We are foul, and we are here to tell you all about other things that are foul, aren't we all? Yes. What are we going to be flapping under the feathers of today? Well, we're going to be talking about a certain amount of death. And by certain amount, I of course mean a staggering, cataclysmic, apocalyptic amount of death. This time in the seabird, largely the seabird population, but not just seabirds, kind of all birds everywhere. Because we're going to be talking about bird flu, Dave! Yay! An episode full of Bants ripe with laughter and with plenty of opportunities for a chuckle. Exactly, yeah. It's nice to do a light-hearted one once in a while, isn't it? Yes, do not worry. We shall attempt to find reasons to be cheerful, despite the absolute carnage, the horror, but possibly largely invisible to you unless you've been to somewhere with lots of dead birds in it of bird flu. We're going to explain what's going on, as far as we understand it, um, and we're going to talk about whether what is going on is right. Right, just the usual disclaimers. We do work for environmental charities, so if you have any reason to be huffing or indeed puffing, nice. then uh, take it up with us, not with the people for whom we work, yes? Yes, and we are a listener-funded podcast. So if you like what you hear, if you like listening to Ol and I gan it on and you would like to make a wee contribution to the running costs of this proudly independent podcast, you can do so at wobblywobblywobbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. Thank you to everyone who does. Please, we need more. Love Babble. Babble live forever. On with it. Reasons to be cheerful. Now then, reasons to be cheerful. There is, as ever, a reason to be cheerful, Dave. And this is particularly good for, you know, me. Uh, Because I can eat an absolute shit ton of eggs, as I do every single day. And now I can bask in the self-righteous guilt-freeness of knowing that free-range eggs are a thing again. Because they weren't a thing again, because all of the chickens had to be inside because of bird flu but now bird flu's over and it's all fine and free range eggs are fine and my bowels are fine free range eggs went away and now they're back so what's that all about then in the uk in the uk yes uh well it is because uh the government that their government apparently we still have one though don't appear to be doing much right now uh they got all concerned last year about a big outbreak of avian flu of bird flu and they're not as far as i can tell particularly concerned about all the birds that we don't farm that are dying of avian flu Uh, but they're very concerned about the prospect of birds that we do farm catching avian flu and then having to kill them instead of waiting a bit longer to kill them to eat them Uh, so all of the birds that we farm were told well the free range ones were told you can't be outside in free range because you might catch bird flu so you've got to go inside. <laughs> what, was there a meeting? There was a meeting, yeah. There was a, um, it was the annual general meeting, I think. Um, you know, they've all got a vote. It's a sort of cooperative model. So it was very nice. And uh, yeah, they were all uh, invited to come along. They all made their points. A few of them were kind of statements rather than questions. But, you you know, you always just tolerate. Uh, the, was that the old, the old white middle-aged male 
that's chickens right. yeah, standing yeah. up and making statements. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought people needed the benefit of uh, of his opinions. But what they got through that is very skillfully chaired. And then um, the the bombshell news was: you free range chickens, uh, chickens. You can't be free range anymore. You have to be in barns, uh, not not the area of London near Putney, uh, actual barns. Uh, because you might catch bird flu and that'd be awful. We'd hate for anything nasty to happen to you. We'd hate for you to die. Um, that'd be awful. That's the worst outcome here is that you farms chickens die. Uh, so we need you inside. Uh, and that means that we can't sell your um, unborn offspring as free range anymore. We're going to have to sell them as barned. Um, so en- end of meeting. Sorry, we've run out of time for questions. Um, but do email us. What is that chicken doing outside the fence? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. No, I Just deal with it. Now, we shall return to this underlying staggering hypocrisy at several points during what is likely to be a fairly rant-filled episode. Certainly, as if the prep box only to go by, it's going to be, isn't it? But, well... Oh, Babble Cave falling down again. Um, excuse me a minute while I rearrange Babble Cave. Say something. I just need to put myself on mute and stop this Babble I'm Cave. I'm worried that there is a basket that looks quite full of things teetering above your head uh, in the Babble Cave, which I've not seen before. And I'm worried that's going to smash onto your head. That'd be a bad that's way got, to go, wouldn't it? That's got all Mrs. Dave's hats in it. If that did fall on my head, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like the cat in the hat. Lots and lots of birds dying. Let's talk, first of all... You said that the government doesn't really care about wild birds. I don't think that's entirely fair. When I was around in uh, Suffolk, I was in Suffolk in England uh, last weekend doing some walking around and we kept seeing these signs everywhere saying animal disease control zone. And when I was up in Northumberland earlier in the year, I also saw signs everywhere saying animal disease control zone. And that, it turns out, is to do, I think, with avian flu. Thousands of wild birds are thought to have died uh, due to bird flu, which is a nasty business. We'll come on to why it's a nasty business in a minute. Some examples, thousands and thousands of barnacle geese, like a third of the entire global population of barnacle geese, dead up in Scotland. To quote to quote the RSPB, oh. they've been observed falling from the sky in distress and lines of dead birds washed up on the beach after they perish while roosting out on the mudflats. That was from December. Mm, um, Bass Rock, which is in uh, the Firth of Forth in Scotland, normally home to 150,000 gannets, has been, quote, decimated, which is not a word generally that implies good things have gone on. Do you know, does that, there is a word though that people go, oh, do you know, it doesn't mean what you think it means. And it's like, all right, then what does it, what does it mean? It's like, well, it actually means like taken down to like a tenth of the original number. It's like, oh, that's fine then, is it? The fact that there are 10% of the population that were there means it's not bad. I mean, that is God what, that, that is, pedant. well, I mean, that is the meaning of decimated. If I say um, my hair has been decimated over the years, then you know you would probably assume there's about 10% of it left and you wouldn't be wrong about that, would you? <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Yes. Anyway, sorry, carry on. I interrupted. Yes, I was just telling you about all the things that are f***ed. So also f***ed is the great skewer. This is not a thing that you put kebabs on. It is a bird, apparently a right shithole of the bird. It's... <laughs> it is. It is a shithole of the bird. I can confirm that. Yeah. Have you had a run-in with a great skewer? Or was it, are you just sitting funny? Yeah, I got all of it. I was a bit intimidated by great skewers. Where, where was I? I was in... I was in the uh, the Hebrides in that there Scotland, looking at puffins, 
And the great skewers were looking at me, basically. And it was all very unpleasant and horrible. And I wish they'd sod off. Turns out I got them all. Careful what you wish for is, I guess, the lesson here. Yes, they are currently being off-sodded by bird flu. And, you know, saddest of all for me, and this is the most important thing, is what is saddest of all for me, um, is what's going on in the Farn Islands. Now, I'd never heard of the Farn Islands, but I was up there in um, June last month. I was up there. And it's basically an island well, you chain. Just, you just went there by mistake. You'd never well, heard of them, but found yourself there. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much, yes, exactly. Um, and I see Mrs. Dave is organising the holidays again, <laughs> and you're customarily paying a huge amount of attention in the I planning go, meetings. I go around told, but as per that picture I put in the prep doc, there, um, they, they, it's this island chain off Northumberland, which is up in the north of England, what, with just an absolute metric shitload of birds on it. Now I went there; it did have still a metric shitload, both of birds and shit. And if there's one thing that birds do, it's shit everywhere. And you, you're on this boat, and you look at a rock and it's got kitty wakes and guillemots and razor bills and puffins on it and you go wow that's brilliant and then the wind changes and you get what can only be described as a bad smell going up your nose a very very bad smell but yeah apparently up there birds have been dropping dead and all okay. let's talk a bit we'll come back later on I'll to like what's going on in poultry but can we just talk a little bit about what the hell bird flu actually is first because yes uh, do you know what it is is it a flu that affects birds correct very good thank you for listening to this week's sustainer babble specifically h5n1 a little acronym you've probably heard you probably heard that acronym you probably like that probably is not an unfamiliar combination of, 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 of syllables but i think that was around i remember that being in the news like 10 Shit. Yeah, 15 yeah. years ago. It's been, around since 19, it's been around since 1997. So whenever there have been sort of in our adult lives bird flu scares, it has almost always been H5N1. That is it. So that is known as the Eurasian avian influenza virus H5N1. So it's the, 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 there are four strains that are kind of like of concern, and, and this is the dominant one of those strains. It's basically flu. It's like like horse flu, swine flu, man flu, you know, a type of a type of flu that a, a, a particular host gets, which mm. is adapted to that particular host. So, like, just how men get the flu and they feel really unwell, like mm. re- really, really unwell. objectively worse than when anyone else gets it. Yeah, objectively worse, and no one understands. Mm. Well, so it is with bird flu. Birds, it's horrible, horrible business. What does it do? Put it down here somewhere. It makes them have swollen heads, a lack of coordination, and basically kind of choke into death. Horrible business. That's not very good, is it? No. And as far as I understand it, once you get it as a bird, you yes. die from it, right? They, that's Pretty that's much. what I've read anyway. That it's yeah. it's not like you know you might a few of you might bounce back a few of you might be out of action for a few months and a few of you might be dead it's like you catch this you're dead end of pretty much a, a thing i read says basically 100 percent guarantees like just slightly under for some i, I guess presumably because you might get desiccated by a wind turbine before you die from it so, <laughs> um so it's not a given that you are that you're going to die from it but pretty much yes doing precisely what we've done 18 times before is exactly the last thing they'll expect us to do this time okay um now if it's been around for that long why is it bad now well because there's shitloads of it about right now because it's like all flus we have 
flus, which have seasons when it's bad and seasons when it's not bad. And um, what's going on at the moment is a humongous sort of global um, outbreak of it is happening. Um, it has been spread. But it's, in particular, it's gone into like poultry. So into caged animals. And that's, of course, what has got the poultry industry all flapping its feathers um, about. But it's also migratory birds have basically been spreading it. And we talked earlier on about some of the impacts on wild populations. So just at the moment, it is just particularly bad. Okay. And so am I right in in deducing then that it is easiest spread amongst birds that are rammed together in very close proximity? Like all flutes, like all like all viruses, gotcha. like there isn't. Uh, when they had the meeting in which they explained to the uh, caged poultry that they weren't allowed to go outside anymore, they also displayed a rudimentary face space sign and basically <laughs> said that they said, uh, "Make sure you wash your feathers after every time you go to the toilet." Uh, sing, and, you have to sing "Happy Birthday" twice. When sing you're "Happy Birthday" twice. Yeah. yeah, and and go up, you know, go up to the elbows as well when you wash and uh, for god's sake keep one and a half chickens length away from you and your mates which of course is really easily done in an intensive factory farm and lo we get to the heart of the issue right okay so this is very much a problem of the caged bird industry the farmed birds industry because you said that wild birds can spread it which is true like migratory waterfowl and stuff will spread it but uh what it says here is that um basically both legal and illegal poultry trades are doing far more of the damage than anyone else right yes um it is basically it's global spread has been through the trade in poultry pretty much it's like it's been around first identified in 1878 so it's not like a new a new thing but the main things that have caused it to move around have been like moving chickens around the place. Um, and, uh, and yeah, basically indoor commercial poultry and indeed commercial poultry in general is the main thing that is making it kind of more intense. You were talking about how free range eggs, you can now, your birds are now allowed outside again because they reckon like the peak of it has kind of gone down. But you still have to follow some rules which strike me as quite good rules for, for like interacting with species that shit all over themselves and each other, including like try to stop wild birds getting into there. Go on, like, if you see if you've got a hole, like fill that up, clean yourself and your shoes after you've been to see them. Like, yeah, that's probably a good idea, isn't it? <laughs> and like, if your building's falling down, don't let that happen. Doesn't seem very good. These are the genuinely. These are some of the rules <laughs> that you have to follow now to stop the spread of bird flu. Now, just want to clear one thing up. Um, obviously, I do care about the birds. I do. Hmm. I do care about the birds. You do, you do. I want that you to do. be very clear. I also care about people. Am I going to get bird flu? And what happens if I get bird flu? If you get bird flu, you're in trouble. Oh dear. As you're we record, as we record, I am about three feet away from two chickens. Should I? Is that enough? I've got questions. <laughs> what? I'll ask them off 
air, I think. Um, no, no, like, it is, right, it is not good news for humans that get it. I think this is right. I think this stat is right, but I'm struggling to back it up. But I think I saw a thing saying that over 20 years, over the last 20 years, 863 people in the world have got, have caught avian flu, right? Of which slightly more than half of them have died. So, oh, okay. If you get it, not good. But in the scheme of things, no one gets it. Like, you know, a person here, a person there over all that time gets it. It doesn't transmit very easily to humans and it doesn't appear to transmit very easily, if really at all, from a human to another human. So even if you did end up with your little feathered, mysterious, under-desk chicken pals giving you chicken lurgy, and if I came around... <laughs> just to be if clear, I came, they're not in the shed. <laughs> they're just the other side of the shed. Um, if I came around and you had chicken flu, you'd be buggered, but I'd probably be all right. Okay. All right. Well, that's... Um, but yeah, but but so 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 there's that. But you know, very important disclaimer, of course. F- as we know, viruses never mutate. No, famously, so we can be famously. so we can be completely relaxed about yeah. that. No, there isn't uh, there isn't a known incidence of a virus mutating. I don't think. Um, so that really is. It's nice to have one thing we can definitely not worry about. We can park that. Don't worry. Viruses are the same for eternity. Um, I would say this thing. There was this like the, the, the you basically have to be a proper chicken f- <laughs> to get uh, to get bird flu, as far as I could work out. So this thing here, as I read this thing. Where is it? I can't remember where it is. But it said um, <laughs> someone who got the, someone who got the bird flu says it. The person acquired the infection from very close regular contact with a large number of infected birds, which they kept in their home. Over a prolonged period of time. Now, if you want my opinion, uh, I'm not sure I do, but that person is lucky to have escaped with bird flu, as opposed to worse, or or, or prison, um, or prison. Yes. Um, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You, you know, there are people who have. You know, they are unkindly called mad cat people and they will live in a house with nine or 10 or 15 or 20 cats that are all busy shitting everywhere and meowing. And perhaps this was just a mad chicken person that liked regular, very close contact with diseased chickens. I mean, let's not kink shame is what I'm saying. Look, there's a, you know, with the babble is a broad church. Everyone is welcome, no matter what you're into, but just don't get too far into a diseased chicken. I shall just say this, leave it here and we can move on. According to Wikipedia, most cases of the avian flu are as a result, in humans, are as a result of either handling dead infected birds or from contact with infected fluids. Anyway, look, let's move on. This may have to be one of those things, all that you care about primarily because of its impact on wildlife and ecosystems rather than humans. Do you think you can do that? Uh, I suppose so, yeah. No, just just this once, I will. Um, and I suppose another thing that we should have said in terms of context is that, like, because I asked you earlier, why is this bad now? And you said, well, outbreak now. But what has also been happening over the last couple of decades is an absolute explosion in the number of farmed uh, chickens and, uh, and other poultry, right? Like, that. There is. It is no coincidence that as the world 
produces billions, trillions of these poor little fuckers. Um, we are seeing more instances uh, and more deadly versions of these diseases, right? That is that is the nature of things, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, the epidemic that affected, that, that like spread through cage poultry then went to wild birds. But that's the, that's the way around that it's gone. And the more you squish together things, the more opportunity there is. Like it's fairly basic. It's not particularly controversial. This is how we treat hundreds of millions, billions globally of sentient animals. This is what you get. Super. Right. So that brings us on rather nicely uh, to um, uh, the bastards. Uh, who are the bastards, Dave? Is it there, is there like one really evil bastard chicken that started all this? Uh, well, no, it's people, isn't it? Pretty much oh, um, that are that are the bastards. Um, I think that I mean, oh, I could tell you a great example. This is a great story of a particular bunch of um, of a company that has not behaved wonderfully. Let's not call them bastards. Um, so there was in uh, America earlier this year in Iowa, I think, which I think is in America. Don't know. Don't know all the <laughs> I states. Can confirm that Iowa is. Is in America, yes. Very good. I once got told off, I think we might have talked about this in the Babel before, I got told off by an American before for not knowing whether, like, a state was in America or was a country or whatever. Uh, and, like, I, how am I, why am I supposed to know all of the 25 states of America off by <laughs> There are a lot. Yeah, there are There are a lot. That's, that is correct. Um, anyway, yes, moving on. Iowa... Uh, uh, Tell us about the story. Oh, well, there was... I, I think I, I, I read about it at the time and it made me a bit sick in my mouth. You thought we might have talked about this. I'm not sure we have. I don't know. Sorry if, I, sorry if we have. I don't, I don't I know. I think it may have been in a rant. I think I may have done a sort of brief roundup rant of things that we weren't going to talk about. And I mentioned this right, so we, um, in one of those. Well, we are going to talk about it now. There was 5.3 million, million hens at a factory owned by a company called Rembrandt, or it may be the Rembrandt factory in Iowa, all of which uh, there was an outbreak. So they killed, they culled, it's probably, a, no, killed is a better word, killed 5.3 million hens. Um, and they did, I'll talk about how they did it in a minute because it's fairly horrible, mm. but they got all of these workers who weren't there, they were like, right, okay, really sorry, you're going to have to go kill all them hens so like they the workers had to do the horrible job of like killing bird after bird after bird after bird after bird dumping them in carts piling them high in nearby fields burying them in the pit and then as soon as they were done they too got called to a meeting in which they were all sacked yeah that's charming i mean i'm not saying this is the right way to behave by that company but there is a certain logic in saying you know all those 5.3 million birds that you used to look after. Well, they're not there to look after anymore, so you don't have a job anymore. I'm not. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying there is. There is a certain logic. There is. I, um, I think there was probably the way it was done and what sort of severance package was offered. I think may be the issue rather than people thinking they should be allowed to go and care for no hens, which, <laughs> which I which I agree with you probably wasn't anyone's position. But um, the, I, I've got a question. I've got a question. And this is again a, a slightly devil devil's advocacy thing, but it, didn't they sort of have to kill them if if they yeah. well if they all had bird flu or were going to get bird flu, which by all accounts kills them in a 
I don't know if it's worse it's than the way that they were killed, but it's horrible. didn't they sort of have to kill them? Well, I mean, within the logic of where we've ended up, probably. I mean, uh, your babble is not an expert on culling. It's not an expert on animal husbandry or indeed cuckoldery. We don't really know about <laughs> this stuff. But I reckon if you've got, if this is happening and starting to spread, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to get rid of it quick. I mean, I don't, yeah. there is no vaccine for bird flu. They're working on it, but there is nothing There is nothing they can do. So, yeah, I think probably, like, if it's here, given the state of factory farms and everything else and its existence, I think you probably, you know, I guess you end up having to cull them. You do have alternative ways of doing it, though. So the, in this factory at Rembrandt, it sparked these animal rights protests. It sparked people, like, gluing themselves to basketball courts in protest and stuff because they use a system called Ventilation Shutdown Plus. Without oxygen. No oxygen for two hours. That'll teach you to be breadbasket. Now, that doesn't sound great. No. Ventilation generally a thing that is good. Shutting it down suggests not good. Yes. Um, I mean, this is just grim. So what, what it does is all of these birds, these millions of birds, are in a big barn indoors. And ordinarily there is air pumped through it and it's cooled and they are able to live just. For a bit. And what they did is they stopped pumping air through it and allowed the temperature to heat up. In fact, they heated up the barn deliberately to the point where they essentially cooked them alive. Um, but not quickly, not like a deep fat fryer cooking them where, you know, be very bad, but over quite quickly. Uh, this was taking uh, between uh, 1.5 and nearly four hours for the poor blighters to uh, to choke to death, um, whilst you know millions of their chickeny friends and chickeny colleagues were choking to death all around them. So that's uh, that's quite grim. That's quite grim. Yeah, and it's you know the grimmest of a series of grim ways in which you cull. Now the industry say. Look, when this is here, we've got to get rid of it quickly and we don't have time to go around and throttle their necks one by one. You've got to kind of do something. But other things they do are like, they, they put a, they foam them to death. They basically kind of like get a a, suff a foam which you just spray all over a, a room full of chickens and they suffocate to death. That's another thing they do. Like, it's all a fairly horrible business, as you can, as you can imagine. I'll... It's just all very indicative of the truly screwed up relationship we have with the animal world isn't it like we've talked before about how there are i think in the uk alone there's like a billion chickens eaten every year or like the number is astronomically high and, and the uk isn't a very large proportion of the world's population like isn't it just weird that we are collectively kind of indifferent to a system that says oh millions of these guys in a shed have got a disease we're gonna have to foam them to death and start again and we just go all oh, right yeah i suppose that is the only option because not eating them and not farming them isn't isn't really an option is it so we better foam them to death yeah i'm trying to restrain my militant veganism here you're doing very well well i was i, well, I was expecting you to be leading the rant here but i feel to be honest with you we've been banging on for a bit anyway i feel like it's a point that doesn't need to be made very, he yeah. very heavily. Like, this is all a symptom of something that is just a generally screwed up way to exist. 
like the all of it like the commodification of life and the economics of that industry and the gap between what's in the short-term interests of people versus the, the long-term systemic stuff and the impact that the way we treat birds in one place has on wild birds in another place and the fact we see them as different and all of that like it i don't know it's obviously appalling it's obviously horrible and barbaric and horrific to me but i don't you know i've sort of opted out of this shit a long time ago really but it's fairly fairly damning indictment of where we are as a species right now i reckon if you complain that we're not rich, I will never call you a bitch. I respect you and female dogs. Don't use bitches and insults. Hi, I'm Arabella, and you're listening to Sustainable. Now, I feel we should move on from chickens, not least because I'm a bit worried the chickens near me are going to hear me talking about this and are going to get all a bit freaked out. Going to peck so, you on the willy. But what we should talk about is the other birds, the non-chickeny ones, the seabirds, because, oh, it's so tragic, this, isn't it? They're all screwed anyway. Like, wild populations of most seabirds are screwed and facing a variety of challenges. Not least, you will be unsurprised to hear everyone's favourite uh, planet-frying phenomenon, climate change. Yay! Yep. Um, what is changing, where, you know, where their food is, basically. Cut a long story yeah, short. Yeah, well, it's buggering up everything, isn't yep. it? Like, yep. buggering up the temperature of the sea, which means the fish they eat are moving, which means they can't live in the same place they did. And uh, uh, climate change, bad for uh, wild birds. Um, fish shortages, generally. Uh, fish shortages. We've lost the fish. The fish have been lost. They've been momentarily... Uh, misplaced. Yeah. Yeah. Short, short on fish. We are temporary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nothing to do with fishing or overfishing yep. or anything like that. Uh, invasive species, Dave. This is a thing you like, isn't it? Fish being in the wrong place, birds being in the wrong place, cats being in the wrong place. Cats being in the did wrong place. Did you see the thing? Did you see the thing? I think it's Hungary this week declared the domestic cat to be an invasive species. Did you see that? No, I didn't yes, see that. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very good. What's Not very good. That? Bad. Why? Because you like cats. Yes. Right, there you go. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Today's fish is trout a la creme. They're a menace. They're a menace. But I love cats, but they're a menace. Go back and listen to episode 102, 103, I think it is, when we talk about cats eating all the wildlife and stuff. Yes. Uh, what else have you got on this list? Ghost gear. Have we yeah. ever done an episode about ghost gear? Not well, really. I think we talked about it a bit with um, a friend of the Babel Griffin Carpenter back in episode 53 when we talked about fishing, but basically ghost gear, like fishing nets, discarded. Ghost gear is euphemism for stuff that comes off fishing boats and just wafts about, cause like old fishing nets and things, which birds get caught up in and die. Uh, so stuff like that. And of course, you know, you won't like to hear this because you don't like any criticism at all of renewable energy or anyone who has any criticism of renewable energy. And we'll come, come to, to that, that in a minute. Um, but wind turbines do also do for birds. Not the same extent as humans do for chickens. This is not some sort of massive thing, but, you know, it's just yet another thing that adds to tricky old life for a kitty wake. It's very sad, isn't it, the seabird thing? Because I like they... Mm. 
I know all all life is equally precious, yada yada yada. But like, seabirds have a bleak old time anyway. They're fighting against the elements. They they're in a per- pretty perilous position a lot, a lot of the time. And also, I feel a bit sad for all the people who work sodding hard to try and save seabirds. Like like in that fine islands where you were, presumably you were met by lots of very dedicated volunteers who were doing all sorts of clever and hard work to try and keep these poor things alive and then knee deep you know, in guano they were the poor sods knee well, deep there in you it. Go. Yeah. and there was something i read on the, on that their news about like they're going i think they collected 3000 uh, was it was it uh, gannets or one of the others i think no i think it was guillemots 3000 guillemots the other day on fire liners just to bury them or burn them and like if you have dedicated your spare time or indeed your professional life to trying to save wild seabirds it's got to be pretty bleak if you're now finding yourself going around and picking them up and putting them in bin bags and setting fire to them like not fun yeah six um six of britain's seabirds are on the red list according to the british something ornithological what is it bto, BTO a bit of trust for ornithology there it's like the, the thinking person's rspb right, rspb is where if you know you watch spring watch a bit and you think oh, i'll get a swift box for my house which is what i did total waste of time uh and you just like give money to posh people uh bto is like we do science we're the science people well they've got a great long list of birds what are buggered um birds that like some of which we've actively covered on sustainable before these aren't seabirds but like birds in general like the curlew a few episodes ago talks about mary colwell about the curlew the corn crake curlew impression <laughs> The, cor- the corn crake, who Do we talked to Amy Liptrot about. And I think the corn crake is a bit more rasping, actually. Have another go. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> House martins, I'm sure we've talked about them um, before. And even some birds you wouldn't necessarily have thought were in trouble, like the herring gull, which is, for anyone who's ever been to St. Ives and tried to have any chips, that bird. Like <laughs> these, these these are birds, that bastard. There are, these are birds that are in trouble. And like some, the herring gull is one of the seabirds that is in that trouble. So they're, yeah, they're in a tough old time. They're having a tough old time. Not helped by some stupid people who work for local authorities. I think it was in Brighton or somewhere around there where they put up signs saying, Please don't um, feed the seagulls, which is good advice. You shouldn't feed the seagulls. But the reason they gave was because their poo pollutes the water. And like all of the kind of birdie organisations have said, no, no, no. Animals pooing is quite an important part of, you know, the entire marine ecosystem. Uh, so, And we'll come to that. Oh, we'll come to that but it is good idea not to feed seagulls because otherwise they get used to it and they'll come and try and grab it out of your hand Over rocks trees and sand soaring over cliffs and gently floating down to land she proudly lifts her voice what do you do Ol, if you are on a fine island or you're on a walk or you're on a somewhere and you see a dead or a dying bird important babble PSA this Try not to cover yourself in its fluids is yep first step because you don't want to get bird flu. We've we've been clear about that. Um, but there are some more proactive and vaguely more useful things you can do. Uh, if you think they've got uh, a dead, uh, if you think they've got a dead, if you think they've got bird flu, well, I suppose even if you don't, uh, you can ring the DEFRA helpline. I'm sure it'll be helpful. Uh, do you want me to give, give out the number? I'll give yes. you the number. Don't be cynical oh. about the DEFRA helpline. Oh. Well, I mean, okay, I won't be. 
03459. You've got a pen. Write I it down. I feel like one of those um, Saturday morning TV hosts. Oh, oh uh, wait, one, eight, one, one, yeah. eight, one, eight, one, or something. Live and kicking or something like that. Oh, oh that's a blush in the past. Uh, right, what was I saying? 03459 33 uh, and that's if they are not ringed. Uh, if they are ringed, you want to ring up, ring up hey, the British Trust for Ornithology. You've got Google and stuff. You can find their number. Anti of, of the week. What a fine thing can ever be found. But the sun rolling now, Auntie Inhoff time. As trailed in the previous section, we are going to talk about someone who hates wind turbines, or at least they did hate wind turbines, but very sadly, they are. This is a crude. I didn't mean this to be that crude or Bloody crass of a second. We're going to fall out about this. No, I don't think we are. I'm, we gonna, are. I'm, gonna, I'm using my stored up vegan militism and I'm going to direct oh, it. Oh, you're to... doing that annoying thing where you wave your glasses at me because it's yeah. a serious point. Serious. Like, no, this is, a, this All is right. grown Get up, on. Dave, coming to tell you something. Get on with up. it. Get on with it. Right. James Lovelock, who is a was. very well known, was a very well known and respected uh, and pretty amazing uh, and inspirational scientist has died he died a couple of days ago on the day of his 103rd birthday i think uh so very sad um one of those people who i'll be totally honest i was fairly astonished was still alive uh because like very old been doing his thing for a long time uh most famous for his gaia theory um which essentially posited that the earth is one big living and sort of self-regulating organism. And then, you know, when that was put out, which is what, like 60s or something, yep. was reckoned to be total hippie hogwash nonsense, uh, la di la la stop taking all the LSD. Uh, but it's now very much kind of underpinning a lot of ecological thought, really, that, I mean, well, it does, that everything's connected. We're all, you know, part of this one big system. Uh, so pretty amazing dude. You've read his book, Dave, haven't you? You've read the whole Gaia Gaia thing yeah i have i read it years and years and years ago and then i read it again a couple of years ago um it's everybody who listens to the babble you should read his but you haven't read it have you like he's done dave the only books i read are the ones that we have to read for the babble like i'm so exhausted by that reading it's a little i flo- can't do any other reading it's a little floppy book it's really not very long and it's not what i read you a book about think. heat pumps this week though fine shut up and we're not talking about that what the hell was I saying? You're talking about the Gaia book. Right, good. Um, what, amongst the many things it's known before, the ideas in it are extraordinary. So as you say, it's a book that is now sort of fairly, like, it's earth science. It's basically going, stop seeing things that live on the earth as all of these discrete little things, but see it all as connected all one system, which, until we came along anyway, has managed to tick along basically on a long enough timescale, kind of running itself. Like, stuff happens over there until you get a bit too much of that stuff, then something happens over here and you get and, that makes that stuff go away, and it all kind of regulates and the, 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 the tiny stuff in the sea is basically the same thing as the great big stuff in the sky. It's all one big thing, right? And and like it, which includes which includes humans. I don't like. I don't think he's as misanthropic as that, is he? No, in, indeed, no, indeed, no. But but his point being that we have put that out of whack. It's not. It's not that we like. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't because humans turned up. It's because of what's happened. Yes, since the industrial age, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And his basic argument is like 
we've put it out of whack and what will happen in the long term is we will go out of whack as a result. Like basically because we are, we're on this kind of closed system. And, it, and basically that argument, I've not expressed it magnificently well, that's the book. Our giant mistake was combustion, learning to burn things. At first it was harmless just for cooking, but we never stop at that level. We start doing it on a grand scale, like burning down whole forests, because you get cooked meat a lot cheaper that way. There's much less effort. And uh, that was our mistake. And we've been making the mistake for a long time. Thing number one, no one had really said that stuff, or at least mm. not in that, not in like Western scientific-y kind of thought. I mean, they'd said it, but like it, it was a radical idea. What was also radical about it was he was a scientist and he, you know, he, he invented like amazing scientific stuff, like electron mic microscopes and stuff, right? But he wrote this book, which is like, it's not a science book. It's sort of, he, he says really early on in it, something like, yes, look, I know we need scientific argument, but you also need poetry. Like we don't, you know, no one ever goes to war for science. They go to war because of ideas and emotions. And so he wrote, this scientist wrote this book aimed at kind of expressing a scientific argument, but in a way that is quite poetic. And obviously that just made all the scientists go, who's this dude? Um, and so he was basically cast out, like, you know, for years and years. And now that idea is... Like we still don't. Re he was ahead of his time even now. We still don't really, I think, as a, a understand the power of that idea and what it actually means. I don't. Think. No, I totally agree. Like collectively, I don't think we do. I think you know, probably more of our little green bubbly world thinks like that than it used to. Um, but I don't. Yes, I totally agree that it's not a widespread. Well, we listened, We talked a couple of episodes ago to that Adrian Buller about natural capital, about putting prices on nature and stuff, and trying to cost up a whale. And the idea that you can actually, in isolation, cost up a species. You know, we've been talking all the way through this episode about bird poo going into the water is part of like the way the whole thing works. Like all of this stuff is magnificently interconnected and is one system when you kind of look at it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I'd sort of, as you mentioned briefly there, I'd not really been aware of some of his other sciencey stuff. Like NASA called him up and were like, can you help us work out what's going on on the surface of Mars? And he, he was the dude who invented the machine that basically was able to detect tiny, tiny, tiny amounts of pollution in the atmosphere uh, in order that we could get to grips with like, uh, what are they called, HFCs, the hydrofluorocarbons, right. which yep. was a big, big, big thing. Building up the old ozone layer hole, which was the thing that people used to be very worried about. And so he hit like, done loads of cool stuff, like maverick scientists. In the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. Must be said, Dave, must be said, and I know you don't want to say any of this because for you, he is green Jesus, oh. but must be said, look, I got him, I got him, look at your face, I got him. Uh, he is also a purveyor of some opinions which possibly the babble wouldn't necessarily endorse, including, for instance, he loved fracking. He thought that was great. Uh, he thought uh, renewable Dude. energy was shit. Uh, and he thought that animals were inherently racist and that we're animals and that therefore, you know, racism is just a thing. You got on with it. Uh, oh, no, on. But on the flip side, big fan of not testing on animals, uh, big fan of something else that I've now forgotten. My point is, had a range of opinions over his life, but I don't, 
all of the green comments I've seen about his passing, obviously he's just died. You've got to be respectful. Fair enough. But like, he also was a man of huge influence in the scientific and kind of uh, cultural world, commentary around environmental stuff. And as friend of the Bible, George Monbiot put in an article, like he would quite often just fire off completely unevidenced opinions that were total horseshit about like, I don't know, uh, how renewables were rubbish. And uh, that is, you can have those opinions, but it's quite irresponsible to just spout them off when you are a man of that influence is all I'm saying. Right. So I think in summary, he was a... Uh, he was a guy who had some amazing ideas and was very, very clever. He was a guy who had some wrong ideas about some stuff that he didn't reference. And he was a guy who had opinions about how stuff should happen. He was a massive nuclear power advocate, right? And we talked about that on here before. Some people agree with him. Some people don't agree with him. He was very much, and he, in the in the foreword to the version of Gaia that I've got, which he writes, he basically says something along the lines of like, we do not have time. This thing is so critical that I will take whatever gets it done and that was essentially his position he was but like he changed his mind on that he changed his mind on that he like he, he then was like i've completely overblown it uh sea level rise is going to be a maximum two foot two feet a century um i got caught up in it like so it, look fine right read the book will you read the book for me but before the end of the year read the book and read mm. it imagining i'll lend it you. i've got a copy i'll give it yeah that's not that's um, not it's little life. it's a little book it's much littler than all that nonsense you read it's much littler than all that telly you watch and all that cambridge united you pay attention to you could read it instead of going to three cambridge games i want you to do that will you do that for me also when you get in that tattoo <laughs> i'll get that tattoo before i read this book i reckon <laughs> that is just about it for a viable population of seabirds in the planet uh, and also for this week's babble thank you very very much Dave for babbling thank you as ever to the magnificent Dickie Moore for the music that begins ends and intertwinkles this podcast and to Arthur Stobel for the logo uh, that adorns all of our things including t-shirts that you can buy from our website which is www.sustainababble.fish you can get in touch with us you can tell us what you thought of the show uh, you can email us hello at sustainababble.fish we're on the Facebook if you search for sustainababble or on Twitter at the Babble Wagon if you like what you hear please do add your chorus of reviews to the lovely people who've responded to our call out for reviews on iTunes go there give us a five star review if you think we're worth it for God's sake don't give us a one star review if you don't just bugger off and leave us alone write a review with your hands thank you so much to everyone that's doing that I promise promise you it's making a difference to get the babble up the charts uh congratulations to the winners of the climate award in the british podcast awards who weren't a climate podcast um pretty i suppose that is they wanted things that were you know changing the conversation and thinking outside the box and this wasn't a conversation about climate change so that is literally changing the conversation i'm not bitter i'm not bitter Mm. it's fine 
If you would like to make Ol feel better, you can chuck into the running costs of the babble at wobblywobblywobbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. Proudly independent podcast. We don't have Ronan Keating, Acast, Spotify, Luminary, Pushkin, or any of them bastards behind us. It's just Dave and Ol. Dave from a collapsing babble cave, Ol from a chicken-infested babble shed. So if you'd like to help us improve our lot in life, you know what to do. Right, that is it. I think we've done everything. Um, I am off for a nice chicken supper. You? I'm off to have some chicken. You have any chicken? You know what chicken is? Oh. Uh, is that like a sort of meat-free chicken? That's right. Yeah, chicken is actually quite nice. Chicken is getting quite good, so I might have some chicken in solidarity for the chickens. How about that? Very nice. All right, Dave, enjoy. I will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, oh, 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 hey, oh, 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 yep. hey, oh, hey, oh. Um, very sadly, a friend of mine, <laughs> yes, yes, oh, oh, very sadly, a friend of mine uh, broke some bones in his neck uh, and was in hospital for ages. And, and the surgeons dealt with it that, you know, they got him back on his feet. They fused the bones in his neck together. But, you know, it, it's fine. Since then, he hasn't looked back. Well. Wow.